Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Welcome to ID Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in wherever you're listening to this from. We're recording it right now. It is uh, the beginning of the polar vortex. By the time you listen <laughs> to this, it will have passed. So hopefully you stayed warm through that incredibly cold weather that I don't even Insane. know how to relate just, to here in yeah. uh, Costa Rica. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, if you leave the door open, you'll have to apologize to your partner for letting in the polar vortex. Yes. And that's where you can use this episode. Oh, Sarah just got my little segue <laughs> I'm like, there. where are you going with this? <laughs> <laughs> we talk about, we've never really focused on an entire episode on it, but we talk about the keys to apology and more than that, the keys to a mindful apology because anyone can just say, I'm sorry and not really mean it. And it almost feels worse when your partner does that. So that's no good. And 
we have a great guest to walk us through it, and that's Dr. Cheryl Frazier. Yeah, and uh, Dr. Frazier is the a, a Buddhist sex therapist, psychologist, author, and speaker. And she actually just released her uh, a new book called Buddha's Bedroom: The Mindful Loving Path to Sexual Passion and Lifelong Intimacy. Yeah, I really love Cheryl's energy, yeah. and you can tell she's she's just fun and and mindful and been practicing meditation for decades and it's a huge part of what we try to do to to be mindful and encourage our listeners it doesn't always happen but but Cheryl gives off great vibes and she walks us through how to mindfully apologize it sounds simple it's not always that easy and she gives us some great tips and then we also dive into a bit of communication um, around apologizing, but just around disagreements. And Sarah and I, uh, I bring it up, uh, given a specific example of a very, in retrospect, silly argument slash, wasn't really an argument, but just poor communication. And we walk through that and Cheryl gives us some great advice, kind of like a mini therapy session right there. So hope you guys enjoy that part. Yeah, and we um we actually have not done a free download guide for you guys in a while. So I think this would be a great opportunity for us to do one on this episode because there's so many great steps that you can follow and, and actually really implement in your relationship. So we're going to put one together for this episode. Uh, you can find it on the show notes, which will be uh, idopodcast.com slash 185, which is uh, today's episode number, or you can go directly to the page and download it at idpodcast.com slash 185 download. And you can download the guide from today's episode. Or just below the podcast description. It's right there. Yes, it will also be there. And there's a free guide uh, tab on the top of our website and you can find it there as well. So <laughs> many places to find it. Yes. So we Check hope you guys enjoy the guide and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. I really look forward to helping you and your listeners say I do over and over again. <laughs> and Cheryl, we like to start our podcast with having you tell us and our listeners why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, I tell you what, I may start in a way that may sound a little negative, but it's actually extremely positive. I love to help people with relationships and sexuality and falling in love over and over again because it's such a major pain point in our lives. Research shows that when our marriage, our primary relationship is going well, we're happy. Uh, if our work's not going well, our finances aren't going well, but our marriage or primary love relationship is strong, we're in pretty good mental psychological shape. Alternatively, the career is kicking it, life is great, you're the top of your golf team or whatever, and your love affair is not going strong. It's the major predictor of happiness, and it's the major predictor of suffering. And I bring both a psychological perspective as a psychologist and sex therapist and a mindfulness and a Buddhist philosophy perspective to relationship. And essentially that says, why do we suffer and how can we fix it? So that's what motivates me. In a, in a strange way, Chase, the negative, the pain point motivates me to move us through the clouds and down into the sun. It's like the sun of great love and passion is always present inside of us, but it gets covered up. And I, that's where the suffering is. And I love to help people penetrate through the nonsense and the, the fears and all the issues so that we can uncover and liberate the, the, the power of passion and connection and integrity and love that, that is possible for all of us. We love that, and it is a big mission, but one that is worth undertaking individually and in a relationship, and hopefully our listeners 
are gaining a lot of value from previous episodes. I know they they send us messages. They tell us they have. <laughs> so uh, I know we do, Sarah and I. And today's topic is one that we haven't really specifically covered um, in an episode dedicated to it. We've glanced over it, but I think it's one that deserves some attention. And that is the key to a mindful apology. And apologizing in general is it's not as simple as saying, I'm sorry. You have to mean it. And we hear that. <laughs> but uh, can you tell us maybe what in in not a mindful apology looks like, and then we can talk about how to mindfully apologize. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there we are. We'll start with the negative and in the best possible way. Here's an here's a mindless apology, Chase. Um, you approach me, you say, you know, Cheryl, I'm super upset about X, Y, Z, and I go, oh, sorry. That's it. It's like I think I've done a do-over and I'm I'm off the hook and that you're fine now, that your heart is now healed, that I have, you know, wiped the slate clean. But to be honest, if I'm saying, oh, yeah, sorry, I'm not even motivated by what I just said. I'm not really motivated by wiping the slate clean. I'm probably motivated by getting myself off the hook so I can keep doing what I'm doing. So the way a lot of us apologize, even when we apologize with a good intention, it doesn't really do the job. It's not connected. It doesn't repair what has been torn asunder. That is the sweetness, the connection, and and really at depth, the vulnerability and the trust between you and I uh, is impaired when there's a rift between us, small, medium, or large. And when I say sorry, it doesn't really create a bridge back to the closeness and intimacy and connection that we crave. Yeah, it, it's... It's almost worthless if your partner apologizes to you and they don't mean it and it's mindless. It almost makes things worse because it's like, I don't really care. I'm just doing this to appease you and uh, let's move on. <laughs> it's almost better right, yeah. to not even apologize. Um, so we know what a bad apology looks like and in and I think even when we go to say one, we know it's not the right thing. But I don't think we have a great outline for how to say it like we mean it, but but the ways in which we can truly do that. It, it, it's not something we can fake. So how can we work towards more mindfully apologizing? Okay, great. Well, I'm going to talk us through a three-step process that is actually fairly simple. Um, people who want to know more about it can learn more about it later, but I'm going to talk you through it now. And here's my template for a mindful apology. But first, Chase and Sarah, let me pull back a little bit and give a context for the exercise, okay? So the work I do is based in psychology and sex therapy. I'm a couples therapist, etc. But it's also based in the work of mindfulness, which I know you've done some great work uh, with some of your guests on, and in Buddhist philosophy, which essentially says we're unhappy in our own mind. So when I'm mad at you, really my mind state of anger with you or hurt feelings or um, disconnect is ultimately in my head. Now, this is a bit tricky. It takes a little longer to explain in depth, but yes, you have, I'm going to take something trivial, except to the cat. It's not trivial to the cat, but let's say you forgot to buy cat food and you said you would, and I'm annoyed with you and I'm hurt by what I see as your lack of attention to what matters to us. Really, I'm angry, upset, or hurt in my own mind. It may be based on a behavior you did or didn't do, but the challenging work here for each of us, if we want to be amazing lovers and amazing partners, is to take responsibility for the part of this that's in my head, which is I'm upset in my head. So I just want to lay that context out before I, I talk through the mindful apology sort of practice or template or uh, aspiration. I also want to briefly... Um, Put it in the context of the three keys to having a great relationship. I call it the passion triangle. And that's thrill, keeping that sense of uh, butterflies in the tummy, feeling excitement and love alive. Intimacy, and here I mean intimacy like a mental, psychological closeness. This is where mindful apology is key. And the third piece to passion and long-term love is sensuality, which is the whole sexual part. So there are the two contexts, kind of the 
work with your own head. Happiness is in your head. A great relationship begins with your head. And in developing long-term love and passion, we need to cultivate our thrill, our intimacy, and our sensuality, sexual and erotic life. So in our intimate life, I feel close to you, vulnerable, connected. You're my best friend and cheerleader. You know me. You know uh, what matters to me, what I'm worried about at work, all of these aspects of intimacy. That's what gets damaged when we've had a connection disconnect. You've said or done something that's hurt my feelings. You've forgotten uh, a special occasion. You've said something mean or unkind or snarky because you're in a bad mood. Maybe about us, maybe about something else. At our very worst, we all know we can be assassins of each other's happiness because when you love someone to the depth and vulnerability that the two of you have loved each other, we also have the ammunition, don't we, to hurt each other in our most vulnerable places, our so-called emotional Achilles heels where I can just slay you by saying something really cruel like, yeah, well, it figures that you're neglecting our kid. Your dad was never cared about you. I mean, holy smokes, can we hurt each other? All of that leads us to the need, no matter how loving we are, no matter how respectful we are, no matter how darn hard we try to be a great partner, we're going to mess up some of the time. We're not perfect. And when we mess up, how do we repair together? So what is a mindful apology? First of all, it's a dual apology. What? That's an unusual thought, isn't it? We think of apology as a one-way street. I've harmed you. Sarah, and I'm going to apologize to you. It's a one-way street from me to you. And if I'm lucky or blessed or you're an exceptional human being, you will you know, do me the queenly grace with a bow of accepting my humble offering. It's a one-way street. And I'm going to argue that's not very mindful. That's actually not very loving. It's like I am the um, offender and you are the judge of justice who's going to confer upon me your forgiveness. That sound mutual? Does that sound loving? Does that sound like the way you two want your apologies to go? What do you think? No. No, no. No, No, it sounds kind of awful, doesn't it? It's like we're going to the principal's office or something. So a mindful apology takes two people. There's the person offering the apology. Uh, We'll call it the offender with a bit of tongue in cheek there. And we've got the person receiving the apology. So there's three steps to the apology. Let's say I've hurt your feelings or done something unskillful. So I am offering the apology to you. That's first step in the three-step process, which is repair. I, Cheryl, am going to attempt to repair what I've done or not done. I'm going to go through that in a little more detail in a moment. The second step is you, as the receiver, the offended party, are going to attempt to forgive me. That's step two. So Person one, me, the offender, I offer my repair. Step two, you, the offended, offer your forgiveness. And each of those has steps and I'm going to go over. And then together we do step three, which is together we begin again. That's where we rebuild that bridge between you and I, between our intimate connection that was torn asunder by this mistake or unskillful word or action. Okay, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Beautiful. So, okay. I offended you. I did something unskillful. I'm going to offer my repair. Here's how I do that. I do it in a, in a sort of an ABC way, which is I own my mistake. I repair my mistake as best I'm able. And then, this is key, I vow to improve. So, the way I teach this is kind of like I practice saying I'm sorry in the form of own, repair, and improve. So, it's kind of like I did X, I own what I did, and I'm sorry for it, that's my repair, and I'm going to do better, which is improve. So let's say, let's say you love playing, I don't know, rugby, and I say, you know, I don't want to go to rugby game, it's stupid, (laughs) it's pretty unskillful, and I want to repair it. I might say, uh, you know, again, it's own repair and improve. I'm going to say, sweetheart, I want to acknowledge that I said I hate going to see you play rugby. So I'm acknowledging it, right? I'm owning it. I did this. It wasn't cool. Sweetheart, I want to acknowledge that I said I hate going to see you play rugby and that sports are a total waste of time. That was a mean thing to say. I'm totally owning it. Then I'm going to try to repair it by saying, sometimes I'm selfish about my time and that's not fair to you. And uh, I'm really sorry I said that. That wasn't cool. I've owned it. I've repaired it. And now the critical third little step in this piece, next time you ask me to come to a game, I'm going to come. 
and I'm going to have a good attitude about it. So I'm vowing to improve. This is the piece a lot of us miss. Some of us are pretty good at owning and apologizing, but we don't add the vow to improve. And look, we're on a lifelong journey here called love and marriage or love and deep relationship or love and commitment. And saying I'm sorry is great, but don't we want to do better? It's like, I don't know, burning the toast and saying I'm sorry and I wish I had burned your toast, but never bothering to adjust the uh, amount of time I leave the bread in the toaster, right? So that's the first part. I'm the offender. I'm offering you my ownership, my repair, and my vow to do better. What a beautiful statement of love and commitment. But that's what we usually uh, think is an apology, and we stop there, right? Cheryl's, you know, taking her hat off out to Sarah, and Sarah now can confer her forgiveness. The person in a position of offering forgiveness has a beautiful, mindful job. Remember, I love this person who made a mistake. I, too, am human, and I make mistakes all the time. My friend, my beloved, is you know, a little bit suffering, a little bit sad, a little bit chagrined because they made a mistake. I would like to help alleviate their suffering, basically. I'd like to help them feel better, not by letting them off the hook in some, you know, kind of pat and unhelpful way, but by really hearing what they said. They own it. They repaired it. They're willing to do better. So forgive is the second step. The first is um, offer the repair. Now, I, as the receiver, am going to do the forgive part. Can I forgive and forget? Well, if I don't have a head injury, I can't forget what you've done, especially if it was major, a major trust betrayal, et cetera. But I can work in my heart to love the imperfect person you are and to work on forgiveness. And the three steps for me to forgive you, I'm the offended party, is I can thank you, acknowledge what you've done, which is try to repair, and accept your apology. But with a little bit of depth, not just, okay, thank you. That's a good start. We all got to start somewhere. But let's say it's this, you hurt my feelings because you didn't want to come to my rugby game and you insulted rugby. I can practice saying I forgive you in the form thanks, acknowledge, and accept. That's the three steps of, of uh, offering my, my forgiveness to you. So I can say, hey, thanks for saying that. That's the thanks part. I appreciate you owning what you did, which is my acknowledgement part. And, you know, I forgive you for messing up, which is my accept part. So for this fictional rugby example, it might sound something along the lines of, you know, thanks for saying that. That's the thank you part, obviously. It did really hurt my feelings when you were rude about my uh, rugby game. I love rugby. I feel like you're not interested in in the sport that I love. And uh, sometimes I really wish you were there. So that's all me, you know, saying thank you for apologizing. I then say an acknowledgement that, you know, you took a beautiful risk for love and you took a beautiful little vulnerable step to ask for my forgiveness and to own your stuff. That's brave and it's kind of awesome. So I acknowledge it. I might say something like, you know, it takes guts to admit you were mean or you were you were unfair and it's okay. I accept your apology. So there I acknowledge it. And then as a bit more acceptance, I say, you know, I'd love you to come to the next game. And then I can be funny here, right? And I can say, you know, I realize you don't love rugby and you like art. So I tell you what, after the game, how about we go to that funky art cafe you want to go to, babe? And we're back together. There's the bridge to connection. Not that I've done a masterful apology, but that you've also done a masterful acceptance of my apologies. So again, the formula is repair. I offer my repair. Forgive, you offer your forgiveness. And critical step three, we begin again. Here I want to allude to mindfulness for time. A lot of the listeners and you too, I'm sure, have a basic understanding of what mindfulness is, which is what's actually happening in the present moment. What's real right now? And after I've apologized and you've uh, accepted and forgiven me, in this present moment, we have no hurt between us. In this present breath, this present touch of my hand on your hand, there's nothing wrong in the present. Whatever mistake I made is in the past, whatever hurt you felt is in the past, and we've repaired and built a bridge. We begin again in this moment as friends, as lovers, and as people who step-by-step are trying to you know, navigate our way through love and through life with as much grace and as much tenderness as possible. And when I'm asked, why bring the teachings of Buddhist philosophy or mindfulness to love and sex therapy? I say, because they work. They're very good at 
putting the finger on the pain point of why we get torn asunder and feel disconnected from the person that at our best we adore and how to open our hearts again with these sorts of practices. And that's what um, my new book, Buddhist Bedrooms, about is how can we fix it when I lose you? I don't want to divorce you in this moment, but I feel a hundred miles away. How can I find my way back to you with uh, kindness and compassion and uh, maybe a bit of sense of humor? There is a lot of great stuff there to unpack in, in, we could just, you know, obviously the, the mastering of mindfulness is, it never ends. It, it's not mastery. It's just a process. And you've given us a great outline here. I want to talk about a more nuanced example of maybe it's not like a specific thing to apologize for, but I'm sure you, you have uh, a way to navigate. It's just conflict. And I'll use a specific example from Sarah and I. We were in the car the other day and Sarah was telling a story and it was unclear what the, the a part of the story was unclear. And I asked her, to clarify and and then it it just digressed from there where she, I had asked her to clarify in a way that was more trying to fix her style of communication at least that's the way <laughs> she took it and I was honestly trying to clarify like I I didn't understand part of the story and then she she clarified it and I and I was like yeah but I, I should have said it that way from right, the beginning <laughs> yeah basically you should have said it that way from the beginning because I felt confused and and then I later realized it was it was a bit of my own ego or whatever you want to call it of not wanting to feel confused, but I truly was confused and it, it wasn't, but maybe the way that I said it was, it wasn't the nicest way. Um, so we've unpacked it and we talked about it and we came, I don't think we came to a conclusion. So we had this conflict of like, I feel like Sarah sometimes communicates in a way that's confusing to me that she, she's <laughs> telling the story and uh, I didn't I, – I understood the story, but the main premise was kind of being left out uh, that was key to the story. It was about her friend that needed documents, and uh, she couldn't get them, and the country wouldn't let her in. And I was like, why wouldn't the country let her in? She has citizenship. And I was confused, and so I asked a question like that. But the part that Sarah was leaving out, and I'm not saying this to be critical, I'm saying this to give the story, uh, was that the friend's partner didn't want her to have these documents. So in my head, I'm feeling confused. I'm like, well, why wouldn't the, why wouldn't the country just let her in? Like, she's a citizen. And, and then I asked questions. Sarah's like, oh, because her, her partner doesn't want her to leave. And I'm, and then, at that instant, I remember this feeling of like, I wanted like this blaming kind of like, well, well, come on, Sarah, like, duh, you got to tell me that. Like, that's the whole, I'm trying to figure out this story you're telling. I feel like an idiot because I can't figure it out because why wouldn't they let your friend into the country? And then she's like, oh, and, and she gives that detail. And then we went down into this long thing of like, I say, well, I wish you would, you know, sometimes when you communicate, we have these things happen where you leave out an important thing. And I know I, I didn't say it in the best way possible for sure. So <laughs> with all this picture being said, oh. how do we move forward <laughs> in a way? Because I come to, I, I later realize, you know, I say, Hey, I, I need to do better in, in at communicating my clarifications of the story. With that being yeah, right. said, we live together and I want, us to communicate better. So how am I wrong to ask Sarah to try to, to do better on her end? And I, and I would just like to add one, one thing in there really quick. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear your perspective real quick on that conversation. 
just just to add in one one thing because I do think it's important. The issue that I struggle with here is that I feel like I am I was interrupted to clarify before I was able to give all the information. So that's kind of the issue that I have. So basically I was like, okay, you interrupted me before I was able to give all the information to try and correct me how to explain a situation. And so I just felt very controlled in the situation instead of just listen and I'll I'll eventually get to it. I might not tell you exactly. And I do need areas to improve my communication that I just wanted to throw that in there as as part of my Mm -hmm. thought process. But first, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. I won't ever use it, but it's great. That's because it's brought to you by Hourglass Cosmetics. But I will definitely be using it. I use it every day. (laughs) I swear by it. And so for a lot of beauty brands, luxury means something to splurge on and indulgence. But when I experienced the performance and innovation of Hourglass Cosmetics, it was easy to see that for them, luxury means so much more. Like I said, I use my mascara by Hourglass Cosmetics every single day. There is not a day goes by that I do not put this mascara on because it is absolutely amazing. Uh, The packaging, Chase, would you not agree that it is stunning? It's very pretty. (laughs) It's amazing. And how do my lashes look? Amazing. I know. You can't beat it. Am am I doing good so far? (laughs) You are. Always say it looks amazing, right? (laughs) Yes. Hourglass's Caution Extreme Lash Mascara is groundbreaking. And like I said, I am officially obsessed. Their long-lasting formula is completely vegan. It never flakes and it never smudges. And I can absolutely attest to that. The tapered brush delivers endless length, intense volume and lift, and it helps you get those hard to reach areas in the inner corners and the lower lashes. Discover Hourglass like I did and experience unparalleled next generation performance by visiting hourglasscosmetics.com slash I do and use the promo code I do to get free shipping with your purchase of a full size caution mascara. That's hourglasscosmetics.com slash I do and enter the promo code I do. Well, I'm, the reason I'm laughing, Chase, is uh, my partner and I have the same dynamic, but in, in our dynamic, I'm Chase and he's Sarah. So <laughs> I'm the one saying, you left out an important piece. I mean, why didn't you just say that part? It would have made so much sense. So I'm, I'm laughing with you in a chagrined way. And I think Sarah might like my answer quite a bit because the answer isn't, um, in my view, and again, from a, a mindfully connected, loving, passionate perspective, you know, Sarah or Cheryl's, you know, husband need to communicate more clearly. <laughs> they need to put in that obvious important plot point that if they'd only put in, in my timing, in the order I think they should have offered it, right? I hope you're laughing too. Yes. Uh, it would have made so much sense if they'd done it the Chase and Cheryl way. They do it the Sarah and my sweetheart way, which is a different, uh, maybe more circumambulated way of communicating that's just as valid. The key isn't my partner needs to communicate more clearly and give me the important data. The key is I need to listen better. Ooh, snap. Chase is the one who's got to do the work here, Sarah. (laughs) You can send me roses after the podcast. Um, Compassionate listening and loving listening is where a lot of us fall down. And ironically, a lot of us that are experts in this field, myself included, I'm a phenomenal listener in my private practice, which is in an office suite above my home. I'm speaking to you in my home right now, which is downstairs. And I often say to my patients, the couples I work with, um, upstairs Cheryl is way wiser than downstairs Cheryl. You know, because I'm downstairs, Cheryl, which is in my own marriage. And there, uh, a lot of my great listening goes out the window. I feel a little less patient. I want him to get to the point, my point, I guess, uh, which may not be his. So loving listening is, I like to tell people, listen to your partner as though honey's coming out of their mouth. It's the most delicious things in the world. And you want to hear and understand this beautiful person the way we did when we were dating. And I'm sure, you know, at your best, you're both really great at that, including you, Chase. I'm poking you with a bit of humor here on purpose. Um, I'm sure that you're, you're, you're an equal, uh, 
as Sarah's equally uh, at times mistaken in her communication. But what would have happened in the car if you had noticed your own maybe slight impatience or confusion, which by mindfulness we notice in the body, I'm feeling a little sense of urgency or puzzlement or I wish they'd get to the point or this isn't adding up for me. What would have happened if you'd kind of taken a couple loving breaths and said and just sort of listened and done what I call made sympathetic noises? So as a listener, you make some sympathetic noises like, "Uh uh-huh, really? Well, what was that? And in time, Sarah, you're saying you would have got there, right? It was part of your narrative that you were going to offer to your sweetheart. So it's such a beautiful example. And I really appreciate you both sharing it because uh, like you, I like to let my listeners and readers know that I mess up all the time. And it's in the messing up that we get the richness of the work we do. And you let your listeners know that you two aren't perfect podcast and living in Costa Rica and all. Something as simple as driving. Sarah telling you about her friend and you being puzzled ended up being a disconnect, right? It ended up causing some discomfort. It ended up causing some some torn asunder is the language I've been using here on our call. So listen more deeply. Listen with the intent to understand. And only when our partner reaches sort of a natural pause. That's different than them stopping to get breath, by the way, everybody. But when they really feel done, say... Okay, so are, uh, is this a good place for me to ask a question? Because I'm puzzled. Yeah, sure, babe, go ahead. Well, why didn't she just X, Y, Z? Oh, well, because, you know, her hubby doesn't want her to go. Oh, okay, I wasn't getting that piece. And then, you know, I know you do this all the time well. And you know when you do it well, you feel close, you have a chuckle. You're like, yeah, were you listening to me? No, I was. I just didn't get that part, babe. It's the quality of lightness. It's the quality of being a great listener that is part of, you know, what um, in Buddhist uh, circles is called right speech, as in the difference between right and wrong, R-I-G-H-T. Right speech is how to speak skillfully, how to speak in ways that, you know, bring us closer together and lead to deeper understanding instead of the kind of a ping pong battlefield we can get into. And I fall into when I'm not careful. And I'm like, yo, babe, what do you mean? Can you get to the point? And I hear myself saying that. I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's really rude and cheeky. And I wouldn't speak that way to my patients where I'm a phenomenal loving listener. So listening with depth, um, realizing we're entirely different people, even if we're quite compatible. And Sarah's worldview, background, childhood uh, preferences are somewhat different from yours. And there's times we're going to be completely puzzled by the person we're listening to. And we're just not going to get it. And that doesn't make us bad or even a lousy listener. It means I'm not getting this. Babe, can you help me out? I am confused here. Uh, I love all that information. And I definitely can work on my listening. That's why I wanted to lay it out there. And as you're even saying that, I'm replaying it. And I'm like, that would be hard for me to do. Because when I feel and it's a process, but, and maybe I'll ask you for some clarification, but when I feel Sarah's telling a story and, and you alluded to it, like these things, we got in like this fight and then it just dampens the relationship and then it adds to something else. And suddenly it just makes, I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the way it makes Sarah feel and and the whole thing. With that being said, so Sarah is is telling a story and she has a, a certain way of communicating and I'm confused. And I used this example earlier and this is me. I, I understand I'm I'm going back to, I guess, not a Buddhist approach, but I understand that Sarah has her way of communicating based on who she is. But let's say she went to a communications class or anyone and they described a better way to communicate to a partner or like in the workplace so that the workplace can be more productive or efficient and eliminate um, misunderstandings. So that's the way I approach it. Some, you know, some of the way I approach it, I approached it wrong in, in the way I interrupted her. But then after the fact, and then I brought this up one is on my mind, but also because apologizing fits in here somewhere. But is there ever room for, because Sarah and I live together, we're in a relationship or, or our listeners, 
to me, I need to work on being a better listener. 100%. I'm, I'm owning that right now. And I told Sarah this, I need to be a better listener and I'm going to continue that. Is there any room for Sarah to go, I'm a bad, not, not to go, I'm bad at explaining things, but to go, oh, maybe next time I will lead with that. I'm going to try to lead with that important detail in the beginning so that the, my story is more clear for my partner. Is there, is there room for that or is that just me projecting and being selfish and, and, and everything? Well, um, I want I want Sarah to weigh in on this from her perspective. But yes, of course, there's a room. Um, Communication is a two way street. There's me speaking with you. There's you listening to me. That's you know north to south, and then there's south to north, which is you speaking to me, listening to you. Um, if we're going to be exceptional communicators, which is one of the great ways to develop our intimacy, our passion, even our sexual connection, is based on nonverbal and verbal. Uh, communication as well. Absolutely. I want to improve my listening. Me, Cheryl, a great psychologist and love expert, I need to improve my listening more than I need to improve my thinking because I'm weaker there uh, in my relationship. But absolutely, I think my spouse were he here would say, you know, I could do a better job at my speaking part. I could be more um, thorough. I can say more of what's on my mind. We need to be careful, though, here that we're not holding up the Cheryl way of communicating as the correct way. That's that's the, the sort of the dark thorn in here I want us to watch out for is if our goal is to have our spouse communicate the way we like to communicate, that isn't necessarily some higher excellent communication level. It's just, I want you to talk the Cheryl way. You know, I want you to use Cheryl language. So, um, Sarah, what do you think about what your sweetheart's saying here? I mean, are you like, yeah, I think I could have been more clear, or are you more like, you know, babe, that's my style. I was telling a story. It's kind of like a really cool movie where you get part of the plot in the first third, but you don't get that <laughs> next plot point till later. <laughs> like, you know, what would you say? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're doing. I'm doing this podcast. Like, I 100% believe that there's always room for improvement, and we can always improve our communication, and especially with our partners in our relationships. And I think in this particular situation, I do kind of feel like Chase wants me, you know, the correct way of communicating is, is Chase's way in this situation. And I think the reason why I find it a little bit hard to just accept is that in this situation, it was kind of a story I was telling and there's no really, I feel correct way to do it except for the way that I do it. I don't know if that is like, I don't want to say it's not my fault, but I do feel that if Chase had just continued to listen a little bit harder, he might have, it, it might have come out and it just wasn't, didn't come out the way that he wanted it to. I don't know. That's kind of where right. I'm at. Maybe, yeah, may, that's kind of what I was picking up that might have been how, what was going on for you. And that's why I mentioned the movie, right? If it's a great narrative, we don't, it's not always, you know, uh, pragmatic point, pragmatic point, pragmatic point, conclusion. That's a terrific way, as Chase was alluding to, to maybe communicate at work or f to, you know, to quickly get to an outcome or to, you know, uh, quickly get consensus. It, that's terrific. That's like, um, there's a bunch of different words for it, but I would call it kind of practical communication versus storytelling communication. And I would say practical communication is to, is to get to some sort of conclusion that will be helpful you know, should we stay in Costa Rica another month or another year uh, is sort of more pragmatic to some degree. Storytelling communication is more just about connecting. It's not, it, it, and, and so me telling my story in my circuitous way or with some detail or some humor or like I said, a movie where you get a bunch of the information up front, but you're not really sure about some of it. And as you wait and you let the filmmaker or your spouse uh, un, un, kind of unfurl the story for you, which is it sounds like the mood you were in, Sarah, that's about connecting. That's about being together with the person I love and sharing something important. And it sounds almost like, and this is a little too too uh, clumsy, but to break it down for a teaching point, it sounds a little bit like Chase was in kind of pragmatic mode. Yeah, but you left out a really important detail that would have helped me understand the conclusion better. And you were in connecting with your sweetheart, sharing something interesting with him, having a nice drive. Um, you were looking to connect and he was looking maybe to understand 
the facts a little bit. Yeah, we do um, this all the time, as people, right? It's why um, I do is a hard gig. It's why <laughs> it's a fascinating lifelong exploration if we have the courage and the tenacity to stick it through for a life. Because these sorts of little disconnects and little confusions and little ego games of, I just want you to listen to me. Yeah, well, it'd be great if you communicate more clearly. Um, teaching moments, right? As one of my my couple calls it, an FGO, a freaking growth opportunity, right? <laughs> Every little disconnect. This this particular couple says, "Here's another FGO. Here we go again." Um, I love that because if we navigate them well unpack it, as you said, Chase, and uh, maybe use a mindful apology. Say, look, you know, I'm sorry I seemed a little impatient. Uh, I was trying to understand uh, the missing piece, uh, but I think I rushed you, and uh, I wish I hadn't, and I love you, and I'm sorry. I'm going to try to listen like honey's coming out of your mouth, you know, and Sarah, you might say, I'm sorry I, I got pretty, you know, rattled or triggered when it felt like you were interrupting me. Thank you so much for apologizing. It means a lot to me. I get it that sometimes I tell the story in a different way. And um, I forgive you for our little disconnect. Now let's begin again. Let's begin again with a kiss, with a touch, with a smile in this very present moment where there is no conflict in this single breath right here, right now. Well, you just wrapped it up beautifully for us, and I'm I'm picturing that second version of of the of the way things go down in a much more productive way uh, with Sarah and, and I. Yeah, because it's sound. It, looking at it now, and and even shortly after, we both got down this rabbit hole of disagreement mm. and and disconnection, and it could have easily been prevented. Now, when I say easily, I don't mean it in the sense that it's easy to do, (laughs) but when you do do it, it makes things a lot easier. And that's something that Sarah and I are always trying to do in our relationship. And uh, I know our listeners are taking this and hopefully can apply it to theirs. So it's really valuable. And, and uh, yeah. And can I just offer one more thing to Bring that right home because you're just right on this point. It's so beautiful. You said we could have prevented it. Prevention is fantastic. I fail at prevention a lot. So instead, we want this repair. We want um, in, in golf. I'm not a golfer, but my brother-in-law is. In golf, apparently, you can take a mulligan the odd time. You make a really bad golf swing and you're, you know, it goes in the sand trap or something. And apparently, you can say to your golf mates, hey, I'm going to take a mulligan. And it's a do-over. You get to get your ball, bring it back, and try again. When we don't prevent and we make a bad swing in our relationship and, you know, our, our verbal golf ball goes in the sand trap, we can actually say, babe, I need to take a mulligan. Let me do a do-over. We could use that language because it'll soften us up and we'll laugh. Or we can do what we've been talking about today. In the car, you guys could have said, wait, this is going off the rails. Let's have a do-over. Or we could have said, hang on, let's try again. Or let me apologize. I bet you do that all the time. And that's where we've quote-unquote, failed to prevent the issue. We're, we're partway down the rabbit hole. But we go, oh, dang, I don't want to keep going. And we pull back. We do a do-over. We begin again. Again, that's very mindful. Begin again right now. I love the mulligan. That's something <laughs> that we have not done. And I think it will be really valuable. Awesome. I love it. We don't have to be golfers to take great wisdom from the golf course, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Cheryl, we've really enjoyed having you on the show and and having this topic, one that we've never talked of. And I think it's going to be super valuable for our relationship and I know for our listeners as well. So let's wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you both so much, not just for this uh, hour together, but for what you're doing for relationships and for people. You're encouraging them and you're showing them, no, it's not even, even, even when you're young and beautiful and have a beautiful daughter and live in Costa Rica, relationships challenging and hang in there. We can do it. So, so I really appreciate the work you're doing. People can find me. The easiest place is just the website online. It's my name, triple uh, w www.drcherylfraser.com. And there, there's all sorts of videos and articles on love and on sex. Uh, my subspecialty is I'm a sex therapist. And people can, um, if they wish, sign up to receive weekly videos and love tips, similar to the beautiful stuff that you offer people. And I also like to mention, just three weeks ago, my first book was published. It's called Buddha's Bedroom, The Mindful Loving Path. There's that word again. 
mindful to sexual passion and lifelong intimacy. And in there, I apply that passion triangle we talked about off the top tonight, intimacy, thrill, and sensuality. Uh, And I give people eight ways based on the eight teachings of Buddhist mindfulness to apply it to their love life. And the last quarter of the the book is applying it to sexuality and passion and things like conscious orgasm and tantric lovemaking and how to create desire over and over in your long-term relationship. So um, I hope people find it useful. And um, that's where I am. On the web's easiest. Forget all the other fancy stuff. Just website's easiest way to connect. Well, congratulations on that book. And we'll have to have you back on to talk about sexuality. And uh, we really appreciate all this great advice. Our listeners can find all of these links and information on your book on our website at idopodcast.com or in the show notes uh, directly below the show description. So thank you so much uh, for coming on the show, Cheryl. Oh, thanks so much. And let's all take love mulligans over and over and over. (laughs) Yes, Yes. please. Forever. (laughs) Get out of the sand trap. Take a mulligan. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-day Happy Couple Challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, We are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week you are listening to a pleasure podcast For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.